We're in this series called Take a Chance, and we've got this monopoly motif that's going on, and it's made me think oftentimes about, I, I think monopoly is probably the one game most every family who has kids has on their shelf at some point in time, right? Everybody learns how to play Monopoly. And there's a phrase that when you play Monopoly, particularly with kids who are learning to play for the first time, that I, that I would say it happens in almost every setting. That phrase is, boy, I wish this money were real, <laughs> right? Because you start the game and you got those two 500s and the two 100s and the two 50s and the 620s and the 510s and the 5.1s. I've played Monopoly before enough to know uh, what that whole process is. You've got all that money and then you start buying stuff and, you, and, and you've, got the, you've got it all there and you're thinking, boy, I wish that was real. Boy, you start buying property up and charging rent and doing all that. Boy, I wish that money were real. But you know what happens when the game is over? All of it goes back in the box. It doesn't matter if you won or if you lost. Your game piece and all your resources go back in the box at the end of the game. You're playing a game and you have those resources for a time. You want to use them for all they're worth, but they all go back into the box. For us in this series, in this Take a Chance series, we're talking about the resources that God has entrusted to us. And I want, I want more than anything today for you to get a, a, a handle on, to grab a hold of the reality. Everything we have comes from God. Um, this is really kind of part two of last week's message. So if you were here last week, there'll be, there'll be some, sim, some similar things that come through. If you weren't, uh, go back and listen to last week's. But, but that, that whole concept, everything we have comes from God. If you were here last week, you remember that we said together, it's not my money and it's not my stuff. It all belongs to God. It's not my time. It all belongs to God. It's not my talent, my ability. It all belongs to God. Everything that we have has been entrusted to us by God. None of it's ours. We, it, it will all go back in the box when we leave this world. We can't take it with us. Only, only the eternal stuff, our relationship with Jesus, that's the only thing that, that we can take with us. Most of the time when we talk about stewardship and we talk about what Jesus said about stewardship, we go to Matthew 25, which is the parable of the talents. It's this parable, this story that Jesus told about this guy who went on a journey, called three servants in ahead of time. He gave one five talents, huge amounts of money, one two talents, one one talent, and he goes on a journey. He comes back and, and brings them in, and they're accountable for what he has given to them. What I want us to do today is to look at a similar story that Jesus told that's recorded by Luke. It's recorded by Luke. Go to Luke chapter 19 if you have your Bibles. Um, if you don't have a Bible, feel free to take one out of the back of the pew in front of you. If you, want, if you don't have a Bible at home and want to stop at the Connect kiosk, they, can, they would love to, to give you a Bible to take home as well. If you've got the North Point app, the Scripture's going to be there if it's going to be up on screen as well. This is what Luke records uh, as describing these events, beginning in verse 11. As they heard these things, Jesus proceeded to tell a parable because he was near to Jerusalem, and because they, were, they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. He said, therefore, a nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. Calling ten of his servants, not three, but ten of his servants, 
He gave them ten minas, one each. A mina is different than a parable, uh, a, a talent. A talent was a significantly larger sum of money, uh, a huge amount of money, actually. The mina, it was, a, it was a, 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 an amount of money that at this point in time equaled about three months' salary for a laborer. So translate that out if you're, if you're making 15 bucks an hour. Uh, your salary over the course of about three months is about $8,000. It's roughly $8,000. So it's a significant amount of money, a big deal that he gives 10 different guys $8,000. Calling 10 of his servants, he gave them 10 minas and said to them, engage in business until I come. This is an interesting deal. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we don't want this man to reign over us. We don't want this man to have control over what we do, how we spend. When he returned, having received the kingdom, the nobleman ordered these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him, that he might know what they had gained by doing business. The first came before him saying, Lord, your mina has made 10 minas more. And he said to him, well done, good servant, because you've been faithful in a very little you will have authority over 10 cities. And the second came saying, Lord, your mina has made five minas. And he said to him, and you're to be over five cities. Then another came saying, Lord, here's your mina, which I kept laid away in a handkerchief. For I was afraid of you because you're a severe man. You take what you did not deposit. You reap what you didn't sow. And he said to him, I will condemn you with your own words, you wicked servant. You knew that I was a severe man, taking what I didn't deposit and reaping what I didn't sow. Why then didn't you put my money in the bank and at my coming I might have collected it with interest? And he said to those who stood by, take that mina from him and give it to the one who has 10 minas. And they said, Lord, he has 10 minas. That's not fair. He said, Jesus said, I tell you that to everyone who has more will be given, but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. But as for these enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slaughter them before me. There's an accounting that comes with stewardship that's significant. Last week, we talked about the stewardship that we have, that we've been entrusted by God with our treasure, with our financial resources, with our stuff with our time and with our talent. I want to look at three more areas today. This is kind of part two of it all belongs to God. It all belongs to God. Here's the first thing I want us to think about. This teaching from Scripture, the way that you care for your body matters to God. The way that you care for your body matters to God. We're stewards of these bodies that God has given us. Paul wrote to the church in Corinth and said, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You've been bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. When Paul writes this to the church in Corinth, there's all kinds of bad stuff going on, all, all kinds of uh, depravity, all, all kinds of uh, bad stuff. He writes specifically, if, if you've got your Bibles open and look at the verses right before that, he's talking about sexual immorality about a level of intimacy that occurs between people who aren't married. And he says, you can't be doing that because 
Don't you understand that your body is the temple that the Holy Spirit lives in? The Holy Spirit that you've been given from God. You aren't your own. You were bought with a price. You've got to glorify God in your body. So here's the deal. We're stewards of this shell that we live in for 20 or 40 or 60 or 80 years. We're stewards of what we put into our bodies, what we eat, what we drink, what we smoke, what chemicals impact our bodies. We're stewards of the physical structure that we, that we live in. We're stewards in the areas of exercise and flexibility and, and how our bodies work. Here's the thing that's crazy. You know, at this, at this point, um, my preparation, I thought, when I get to this point, there's going to be a whole lot of people going, I don't want to hear this message at all. Right? Because we all start thinking about the stuff that we do that we know is not good for us with our bodies. The stuff we eat, the stuff we drink, the lack of exercise we get, the lack of sleep that we get, all those things. Does it take work to be a good steward? It absolutely does, right? That guy who took the one mina and made 10 minas more, that didn't happen accidentally, right? He, he didn't just go out and say, oh, look, this $8,000 has become $80,000. It took a tremendous amount of discipline of saying yes to the right things and no to the wrong things to develop that time, that mina, to help it grow in order, to, in order to give it back to the master. Does it take work? Yeah, it takes work. Stewardship takes work. It doesn't happen by itself. It's going to take work to be a steward of the resources that God has blessed you with. So what kind of house do you have? Is your house, your physical body, a, a solid structure that gets regular maintenance, that gets all the stuff that it needs? Or is your house one that's ready to be condemned, not because of a natural disaster, not because you were in an accident or something like that, but simply because you've abandoned it, because you've not taken care of it, Sometimes I think our life, when we think about the Holy Spirit living inside us, it's, it's, we, in reality, if we would do inventory, we would say, yeah, the Holy Spirit lives in me. He lives in this little tiny room in the basement where there's not very much light and there's this maze of junk that's there in the way that he can get to any place in the house. He's just going to stumble around because I've cluttered it up with so much stuff. Does that resonate with anybody? The Holy Spirit's there. He's living there. But it's not very clean, it's not very orderly, and he, and he doesn't have free reign. We're stewards of this house. We've got to take care of it. Understand this, this, is, this, this concept, this truth, this message, it's not about a, a, a body type. It's not about, oh, I need to look like the people who are on the cover of a magazine. It's not about a BMI. It's not about a specific weight. It's about being a steward of what God has given us about taking care of it. And I think that that probably looks different for as many of us as, as are in here as there are people. For some, that, that may involve 
behavioral kinds of things. For others, it may involve your sleep pattern. For others, it may involve what you eat or drink. For others, it may involve uh, exercise. Who knows what that is? But here's the truth that's there for us. God has entrusted to us these bodies. He's given us to them, not to just use and abuse, but to be stewards of. He only gives us one here on earth. And we need to present it back to him as something that we have taken care of well. Um, sometimes, sometimes remaking this body is hard work, and sometimes it's risky. Um, my, uh, my nephew bought my mother-in-law's farmhouse. Uh, she's lived on a farm since, uh, she lived on a farm since about 1962. It was a farmhouse that was built in 1840, and it's had about five different additions on it. So when my nephew, who had some financial resources, bought this farmhouse, he went to try and bring everything up to date in this farmhouse. It was a monster job that ended up costing about three times more than he paid for the house. Big deal. The thing that I remember about him doing this remodel was he's working in the bathroom that's upstairs, this little tiny bathroom that's, that's there, and they're, they're building it out, putting a shower in, expanding it, that kind of stuff. And when they did it, they're going through, they find all the, all the pipes, they're marking everything, and there was this pipe that was there that they thought, man, I wonder what this is from. This doesn't make any sense. It doesn't have any water flowing through it. This is just this pipe that's there. And so in order, to, uh, in order to do the remodel, they cut through the pipe. And when they cut through the pipe, they didn't realize that that pipe was hooked to the headers and supported the floor. It held the floor up. So when they cut that pipe, all of a sudden, everything went and dropped eight inches. It was a pretty scary thing. As soon as it happened, both he and, the, and my nephew and, and my other nephew, who was doing the work on the house, just froze and walked very slowly towards the steps downstairs and went and got the stuff to jack that, that uh, floor up from underneath. When we remodel what's going on inside us, when we remodel these bodies, it can be a dangerous, risky thing. And a part of being a good steward is doing the work to help prepare for that, to recognize what we need, and to, and to do that in such a way that honors God through the process. Eat healthy, yeah. Exercise, yeah. Be a steward of the body that God has given you. Second, second thing I want to share today is this. The way that you care for the earth matters to God. It's, it's, it's crazy to me that our reputations as followers of Jesus often are defined by the way that we take care of things. If I can go back to this last point, I remember going to a uh, conference with about 200 other ministers a number of years ago. And when I went to that conference, um, my biggest takeaway from the entire conference was there are a whole lot of fat preachers, really, really fat preachers. Our reputations, what people see about us, impact the world around us. The tie into this second point, the way that we care for the earth matters to God, is this. There are a whole lot of people that their perception of Christians is that they could care less about the earth, that they view the earth as a consumable commodity that can just be used and abused and, and um, used up and spit out and, and, and uh, thrown away. And that's not, 
That's not the picture from Scripture. The earth matters to God. Why? Because God made it. And when it was all done, what did he say? This is good. God pronounced his creation good. God gave the responsibility to take care of the earth to mankind, to Adam and Eve, to us ultimately. Genesis chapter 1 says this, God blessed Adam and Eve, said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heaven, over every living thing that moves on the earth. The next chapter, chapter 2, the Lord God took the man, took Adam, put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. Psalm 24 says, the earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof, everything in it, um, all who live in it are his. Psalm 19 says, the heavens declare the glory of God. Sky above proclaims his handiwork. Colossians, in Colossians chapter 1, it describes that everything that's made is held together by Jesus. God created the earth for a purpose and he entrusted it to us. We need to take great care of it. God cares about this place that he made. Do you realize that with, it, with his people, with the nation of Israel, God put in place uh, this um, a, a thing called Sabbath to, 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 the, to the people. He said, you know what, on, on the seventh day rest, let that be a reminder to you that I, uh, that I, give you, uh, that, that I have given this to you. To his people, he said, on the seventh year, let all of the fields... All of the fields that grow all your crops on the seventh year, let them rest. Let them have a Sabbath rest. On the 50th year, there would be a year of jubilee. And in that 50th year, there would be this big party. Nothing would be grown. All of the fields would lie dormant so that they could recover, so that God could replenish them. And so that the nation of Israel would remember, everything that you have comes from me. You're being a steward of those things. God cares about the earth. In 1554, John Calvin wrote this about that scripture from Genesis 2 that says that we're to have dominion over the earth. He said, dominion means a responsible care and a keeping that that does not neglect, injure, abuse, degrade, dissipate, corrupt, mar, or ruin the earth. Please understand that this point is not an earth first, go join Greenpeace kind of a plea, all right? This is not, that's not the intent of this at all. Um, it's, not, it's not designed, that ecology right now, that the, the, the whole earth first movement is all about worshiping the earth. And, it's, and that's not what we're called to do at all. Um, I cringe, I, I cringe anytime I hear people use the phrase mother earth. That's, that's, not, a, that's, not, that's not a biblical concept. The earth is not our mother. It does not nourish us and feed us and take care of us. God is the one who does that. God is the one, not the earth. Our ability to take care of the earth is in direct response to the challenge that we have from God to be stewards of everything that we have. So what's that look like for you? I I don't know. I, I think there are probably some people here who God gives the big picture vision to say, you know what, I care about big stuff. I care about about pollution and, 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 and stuff at a, at a huge macro level. And if so, follow that call from God. I know for all of us, it, it, 
impacts the way that we live here. And whether we use and abuse, consume and throw away, or whether we take care of what God has given us. Understand this, the earth is not going to last forever, okay? So, so the stewardship piece is not about, oh, we've got to save the earth for future generations. This earth is not going to last forever, and we're never going to be able to destroy it because God has said that he would. In Second uh, Peter chapter 3, the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all the, these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in, in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved? The heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. We don't have to protect the earth so that it's there for, um, you know, for millennia into the future. God's going to take care of a new heaven and earth. We need to take care of the earth because we're called to be stewards of what God has entrusted to us. It all belongs to him. It's not ours to just dismiss and throw away. I, I hope you get that. God created this world of incredible beauty, incredible resources, and we need to take care of it. Christians don't have a good reputation in that area, particularly as it relates to the earth. And part of what I want to say to you today is I think if we take that stewardship role seriously, it gives a credibility to the gospel that we can't imagine. It gives us a platform for the gospel to be taken seriously. Stewardship gives us that platform, stewardship in every area. If we use our money, if we use our talent, if we use our time as stewards recognizing that God has given to us, it gives us a platform for the gospel. If the finest actor in the world is a committed follower of Jesus, will other actors listen to what he says because he's been a steward of the talent that God has given to him? Absolutely. If the smartest scientist is a follower of Jesus and, and he develops his, his thinking, his scientific abilities as a response to being a steward of what God has entrusted to him, will other scientists listen? Absolutely. We're all stewards of what God has entrusted to us. And when we take that stewardship seriously, it gives us a platform for the gospel Last, last area of stewardship that we can't escape because it's so clear throughout the New Testament in particular is this. The way that we take care of the gospel matters to God. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4, this is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Stewards of the mysteries of God. Stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it's required of stewards that they be found faithful. To the second, uh, the second letter to the Corinthians, Paul writes, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, 
We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I think in our heads somewhere, maybe in our hearts, we've accepted this concept that God is going to save whoever he wants, and I don't have any part in it. God's going to do his thing. If I, if I speak up for, for God, if I speak for the kingdom, ah, that's a good thing. I know I'm supposed to do that. If I don't, God's going to do what, whatever he chooses. Do you understand from that scripture what God says? We have been entrusted with the gospel to the world around us. God has put that in our hands to share the world with the world around us. Uh, in 1986 or 87, I can't remember exactly for sure, Deb and I lived in Rockville, Maryland, which is a community about 12 miles north of the Capitol building in Washington, D.C. It was a really cool period of time when we lived there. We loved living in D.C. And in, in 1986 or 87, that fall, we had a chance to go to the Polish embassy um, and to be there for an event at the embassy to meet the Polish ambassador. It was a really, really cool night. If, you, if you're old enough and remember back pre-1988, 89, when the Cold War was in existence and not just in movies, um, the, uh, we went to the Polish embassy in the midst of the Cold War. We walked in, and it was everything that I had ever seen in a spy movie and more. There, there were... There were cameras all kinds of places when there weren't video cameras any place at all at that point in time. There, there was, the, there was the, the guard doing the whole thing. It, it just was an incredible thing to be in the embassy and to meet the ambassador who represented the nation of Poland to the United States of America. He was the embodiment of the nation of Poland. He communicated their policy. He communicated with our government on behalf of the nation of Poland. His role for the nation of Poland is our role in the world around us. Paul says that we are ambassadors for Christ. We've been entrusted with the gospel. If you look at the set of scriptures that are up there, and uh, again, they're in the app, you can look at them, but you'll see in each of those scriptures, these words almost verbatim in every scripture. We've been entrusted with the gospel. We've been entrusted with the gospel. We've been entrusted with the gospel. That is no small deal. We are called to be stewards of the gospel of Jesus. If I can just tie everything together, it would be in this. Understand that stewardship matters to God. It is not enough to live life and to say, oh, we got all this great stuff. I can use it, do it, whatever I want with it. Stewardship matters to God. The stewardship of our financial resources matters to God. The stewardship of our time matters to God. The stewardship of our talents and abilities matters to God. The stewardship of our physical bodies matters to God. The stewardship of the earth in which we live, it matters to God. And the stewardship of the gospel, the incredible news that Jesus came to earth to save us, to change everything, it matters to God. Why does it matter? I think because when we 
view life as stewards. It reminds us that we're not in charge. It reminds us that it's not our money. It reminds us that it's all going in the box when we leave. We were bought with a price. We've been redeemed, not so that we could do whatever we want, but so that we could live as ambassadors for Jesus. What's it mean? What's it mean for you to be a steward of your body? I don't know. I don't know what it is for you. There's, there's some very clear things for me that I, I, I'm just being real honest. I'm wrestling with because they're hard things for me that I know are not good for me and I know I'm not being a good steward of. What is it for you? Listen to the Holy Spirit. What's it mean to be a steward of the earth for you? I don't know exactly what that is. I know that when I look with that mindset, it impacts the way that I interact on a daily basis with the world around me. What's it mean to be a steward of the gospel? It means that I can't take the gospel and wrap it in a handkerchief and hold on to it until the day I stand before Jesus. Stewardship matters to God. Let's pray. God, there's, there's uh, stuff going on. Stuff that we don't usually think about. Stuff that we don't wrestle with. Stuff that I think Satan doesn't want us to think about. Our culture certainly doesn't want us to. And God, I, j- I just ask in us individually, in us as a church, that you would help us to take this matter of stewardship not just seriously, God, but that we would see it from your eyes. God, that you would help us understand that nothing that we have is our own. It all comes from you. And that we'll be accountable to you, God. God, challenge us, convict us, help us to hear your spirit clearly. Today, tomorrow, for the next several weeks and months, God, help us, help help our perspective to change. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.